main frame cool hey this is episode four yes four and today we have jeffrey jeffrey you want to introduce yourself real quick for sure yeah um i'm a working dp and gaffer here in greenville south carolina um been here for about three years now so still newer to the area but kind of developing community and crew and doing my thing yeah and why is jeffrey here on the indie film hub podcast which you can look us up for show notes and comments and everything like that in hello.indiefilmhub at gmail.com but why is he here today he is here because, because we wear baseball caps he that spent why. all of his money <laughs> <laughs> he spent <laughs> yeah he spent all of his money on gear and uh has tried everything pretty much and that's what we're talking about we're talking about gear what do you really need like what helps in what situations and what do you need to get started so um yeah so first question like what did you start with how did you like get into the game gear wise yeah uh the first camera that i really started doing with it was first one of those handy cameras with the tape but it broke about two weeks into having a little it, mini so. dv thing oh yeah a little oh. mini dv tape i started on that with Whew. um iMovie when you have uh, a batch oh, capture yeah. all of the stuff oh. yep batch capture and all that won't go too much into that but i started off with the canon t2i um but what's hilarious is why I think it's interesting is back then I remember getting on one of my very first shoots. It was like a corporate shoot. Um, and I don't remember what model it was, but it was another Canon cinema camera that the guy had set up. He had spent like four or $5,000, maybe four months before this shoot. Um, gone to the nines on his, on his camera setup and whatnot. We get all the cameras set up. We go through our shoot and he comes back and we're chatting about it later. And he told me, he was like, seriously, you're four five hundred dollar camera looks quite a bit better than what i just spent my money on but i just thought it was interesting at least that point in time this was like right as dslrs were making their come in and doing their stuff however the camera he had was reach feature rich in the sense that it had the io that you need audio all this other so all the stuff that makes it a pro camera however when it just came down purely to image it was actually better at that point so um yeah so that was the first thing i started on yeah so it, it, but just as an adage of does that still hold true today the that like there's just that was like when technology was still early on and and now it's has there been created a chasm of uh, quality i don't i i don't think that, i think the chasm's smaller yeah yeah Maybe it's so. feature set now especially with iphone 15 comparison to the alexa <laughs> i don't like it but i get it i don't like it but i get it so aside from impressing the client with a big rig uh gear doesn't matter and that's the end of the episode hmm. we're there so yeah although Good. i don't fully agree with that <laughs> shoot on whatever you can so the common that's saying, what i agree with shoot on whatever you have yeah, the common saying is the best camera is the camera you have oh yeah 100 no. percent. but <laughs> uh if you can get a better camera <laughs> always would you yeah would you recommend it <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's not always about camera gear uh there's so much gear that goes into it you've collected quite an assortment you've got a little over a ton of just everything mm -hmm. and in your van what you know what what was the trickle effect there of slowly collecting all the gear you have yeah so kind of the journey in developing out a, a full one-ton package 
started from the fact of, I think, and this happens for a lot of people, is that you see things that you want to try. And I think a lot of us hope, like, maybe I'll get on a shoot where I can try that follow-up focus or I can try this. I mean, to be honest, it got down to, I want to know how to use it, so I'm just going to have to buy it. And this came to more basic stuff. This actually went more to grip type things because you could always, somebody is always going to buy the coolest camera and you'll probably get to use it. However, when it comes to like the basics of um, especially controlling light, that's the type of stuff that essentially they've been using the same things for 70, 80 years, like a C-stand. The reason some people say it's a C-stand because it's called a century stand. So it's supposed to last you forever. Um, but yeah, so there's these fundamentals of film equipment that last a long time. So I'm noticing that and I'm like, man, I just, I really want to use it. So I'm going to have to freaking buy the thing to figure it out. Like per se, even with pieces of diffusion, you have so many, you have frosts, you have magic cloth, you have grid cloth, you have, so you have all this stuff. And I'll, I would go online trying to figure out like, how do I, what do I do with all this stuff? You can watch comparisons or whatnot, but to be honest, the only way to really know before you get on set because the problem is you really don't want to experiment while you're getting paid um so the philosophy was i'll go buy it and and get my hands on this stuff before trying to get somewhere and somebody's like well what do you want to use and being like uh i'm not sure because i've never used it before so um so that was kind of the the beginning that's, urge that's but that's the case for everybody like it seems that they just haven't had access to or their hands on um so aside from just like outright buying everything which can get shoots up real quick because you get your cinema camera but then you got to kit it out and you got to get extra batteries extra cards and then you got to get the filters for it and then, so yeah. you just buy one piece and it's a domino effect but what what i mean did you have any other ways of like getting your hands on some of this stuff before being able to purchase it yeah i know you see a lot of people talking about renting gear for shoots and stuff and i did that a few times it's just a bummer though when you're working in a world where your margins are really small like if you're trying to make money you're sitting there looking at i'm getting paid 500 dollars for this video and if i spend a hundred dollars on the rentals that i need for it that's a hundred dollars i didn't get and it's, it sounds very small depending on what scale you're on but when you're looking at it at the end of the day you're like that's a hundred bucks in my pocket if i don't rent it out um, so I know that that's the recommendation sometimes. I think for me, it was having to actually buy the basics of the kit. So like your camera, your tripod and your whatever, but then just figuring out what was like a DIY solution before trying to spend money on something. So let's just say with the fusion, literally trying curtains, like shower curtains and seeing if those can be yeah. diffusion and, and film ride had a ton of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I actually think it is very beneficial to go out and use that stuff because even when you get to the more professional equipment, if you're playing around with DIY stuff, you understand what the more expensive stuff is supposed to do. So you get the principle from using. And it makes you good at troubleshooting. Oh, no, no, no. That's super true because the problem I find with people who have only ever used high quality film equipment is that when they come up with a problem that they don't have the exact piece for, like I don't have a, l-shaped bracket for this one thing and they're just like well we can't do it but if you've had to diy enough things you're like no i have three other pieces that aren't made for it however i know if i stick them the three pieces together cool we're good to go yeah so any filmmakers play around with everything oh yeah pretty much another way for experience and hands-on stuff is i mean paing obviously mm -hmm. i mean did you pa did you go on sets and get 
have someone teach you yeah these things yeah i don't think there was ever the like this person taught me everything but yeah just trying to get on shoots as much as possible um and i know everybody's valuable however at the beginning you're not <laughs> when you're first starting out you're not viable you're actually probably causing somebody a little bit of extra time maybe you might do a couple things helpful but at some point you're gonna ask a couple questions that slows everything down so um the initial amount of being able to get my hands on stuff, yeah, was a lot of times on shoots um, and realizing that somebody was giving me a shot. So making sure that um, they're not privileged to have me, um, I'm privileged to go work with them. Yeah. Um, now, at some point, you're going to have to make money for sure. But at the beginning, that that's the way that I like to view it. Yeah, We're, in all the episodes we've been saying pretty much, though, even if you are in that situation, most people in the community really like teaching, mm, really yeah. like helping the next generation come up through the ranks or whatever. I mean, you would agree with that? Yeah. 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 The um, part that everyone's going to ask about, money though. Yeah. Yeah. The stuff's expensive. What was the core thing that people can get by with? Yeah. So I'd say your core kit, you're going to have to have a camera. Um and you this is, let me preface, this is to do, like, videography solo. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah, you're going solo. to do, uh, let's say an interview, because that's, like, 75% of the work. Mm -hmm. So that's the pretense of what you would need for, all right, go ahead, sorry. Yeah. And obviously, with that kit, you get a, you can do a lot, a lot of stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, so you're, so obviously, you're going to have to figure out what your camera is. Um, probably going to have to get a tripod for it. And then your audio solution which there's there's a lot of nice cheap options nowadays, but you're gonna have to figure out audio. And then um, you don't have to, this is not a have to, but it's a high recommendation that you start working on your lighting. Cause it's interesting to find people who have been doing work for a lot of years and they're like, man, I just don't know how to light. Um, and that's a massive part of it. They're like, well, I'll use natural lighting. Um, and that's only gonna get you so far. Um, but yeah, so your basic kit, camera, tripod, um, audio and then hopefully some lights and what those lights can look like what I used for the first like two years was these little soft boxes where you have to screw in the light bulb oh yeah have the little yep. and there were, they were such a pain <laughs> they were honestly four of them could take 30 minutes for me to set up and that was after a year they of don't pack up really well <laughs> no they don't pack up very well either but I used it for a yeah. bunch of times and it was the basics of learning three-point lighting because I I got four of them for maybe $60 or something like that. Um, now they were a pain and I hated them every time. However, luckily it's pretty much changed from that. It's all cheap LED. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Thankfully now it's gotten a little bit, a little bit better with that stuff. But I mean, even what was nice about those is that the source got to be bigger than a lot of little things yeah. you'll buy now. Um, and I would say that's the biggest thing too. When you want to buy your first piece of, of lighting gear is there's a couple, couple different styles of lights that they have. Um, for basic is you have your center, uh, um, what's called a COB, which, um, is a single point light, which is going to allow you to do more creative things with it. But now it's going to take more time because you have such a small point of light. You don't want to use it most of the time while you're filming. So you want to do something with, to spread it out. That's the most versatile light with the most work. And then you have led panels. So COB chip on board. Yep. That's your mono light. Yep. The bigger lights that people will put a big Bowens mount filter on front of just to clarify. Yeah, exactly. And those, thankfully on the low end, you can get some of those very cheap. Like there's a Godox. I think it was the S60 
that was 40 or 50 bucks that I used for a really long time, 60 watt light. Um, but it, it was a great start with a little Bowens mount. Um, I just sold some used, so good yeah. there we go. It's great getting used to. Yeah. Oh yeah. And what's great is a lot of this gear can be get gotten used. I know some people are like stringent of like, you have to buy brand new gear, but, um, I mean, even out of my professional stuff, 50% of it is all used gear. Um, and it still keeps going. It's if you, as long as you check it out, I've never had a used piece of gear go bad. So, um, outside of abuse. <laughs> so camera, uh, lighting, audio, tripod, lenses, obviously. Um, what is your, where would you put most of your preference in? So for me, like I would put most of my preference in audio. I feel like you can get away with bad video, but audio has to be good. But I feel like you as a gaffer, maybe you would say lighting or lenses. Even. Yeah, for me right now, but it's because I've thrown the most, you know, you, know you, you value what you spend the most money on. Yeah. <laughs> and so at this point, I've spent the most money on lights right now. And so I, I view that as like a high priority. Although on a fundamentals, I would agree that actually your audio should come first. Your audio quality actually should be the, the foundation. And then you build image and then you build lighting. So spend a little bit more on your audio. Yeah. And it sucks, first. but it's like I have yeah. a, micro, a G uh, or Rode NTG3 um, that has been going for a decade. It was a $1,200 mic. Oh, it sucked buying that. It sucked. <laughs> Especially early on where I think it was more expensive than the camera that I owned. However, it I mean, just died two weeks ago. But that's like 10 years I've had. Workhorse, that. for sure. Yeah. It was a very good mic and got me through a lot of stuff. So yeah, if you if you want to actually do the right thing, spend it on audio. However, it's not going to feel as good as buying a camera or a lens. I have some YouTube videos up there. And my most popular one is obviously the, the gear videos. Yeah. Like gear envy, gear uh, heads, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why why don't people put more time into learning how to run a business or uh marketing or um yeah. communication or just storytelling well my theory on that would be because it's the easiest to give yourself a reason why you're not better because if you Ooh. look at yeah no no if you look at gear your reasoning it. in your mind is oh my stuff doesn't look as good because i don't have that that's not the reality the reality is not that. Um, and I mean, I 100% I get caught up in that. I look at like a bigger source of lighting or, oh man, if I only had the strongest light so that I could stick them out the window, then my stuff would look so much better. But um, I think the reason that gear videos do so well on YouTube and stuff is because it's reinforced or not reinforcing, but it feeds into the idea that people have of like, oh man, yeah, the reason I'm not actually better is because that piece of gear. I don't have that piece of gear. So yeah, I would be better. Um, and like, I mean the YouTube person, they'll start off a gear review of like gear doesn't matter and then give you all the reasons why this piece of gear really matters. So, um, yeah, that would be my personal opinion on the popularity of that stuff. When the reality is, uh, I think there's a way bigger value on networking and, um, like career building stuff. Yeah. Networking, being able to find people to hire or work with. Yeah, because I mean, sure. and this was true in Hollywood. Some of the people that I met in LA, they were the worst at their craft. They just barely, like if you have a scale of what you need to just enter and then excellent, 
they would just get on the scale of being able to work, but because they were very highly relational, they would go way farther than everybody else. And then I met dudes that were so talented, but didn't connect with people, didn't spend time with them. And so uh, they just went nowhere. For you, that you've invested in equipment, um, have you, you've seen obviously the return of being able to use it through rentals, through being hired because you have gear. Mm -hmm. Is that suggested for everybody or would you rather say, hold off on gear as long as you can, try to do what yeah. you can without it? I wish this answer wasn't true, but you will get hired for the gear that you have because it communicates something. And this is just an optics thing. I don't know if it's not, once you do, if you have a high relational status with somebody, it's not, it's not there. On When you have no relationship with somebody, the equipment you have is now you're in, whether, especially on the side of a crew person. If you are more in a producer or director type role, obviously it doesn't matter. But once you start getting lower and lower down um, as a person who has equipment, um, yeah, all they're, all they're really looking at is they just want to see the spreadsheet of what you have look really good, which super sucks because that there's been times I've been able to show up with half of the equipment someone else has and make it look better than them. However, um, when a DP is coming into town and he's looking for a package, he doesn't, he probably isn't going to look at previous work that you've done. All he's going to look at is what do you have. Understandably, because they're the ones bringing in the experience and they'll tell you what to do. Um, but it's a little frustrating. Yeah. And do you often get hired on? when renting your gear or yeah so right now it's a 50 50 so i have the one ton package and so um i have a couple people who i've been able to show how to use everything inside of it so sometimes i'm going out with it and sometimes i'm able to send somebody else which is actually the ideal world for me i would love to create work for somebody else um and so when somebody else goes out with a the truck they get paid i get paid and i get a rental fee from the whole thing so it feels like it's the best of both worlds Do you get hired without your gear no. I, so that is one thing for me that, um, especially since it's all in a truck, I'll do individual rentals though. So I'll do lamp heads and, and whatnot. Um, but right now I don't do the truck just cause there's too much stuff. And there's like, if somebody pulled everything out of that truck at the end of the day and tried to put it back in, I would have a nightmare. I mean, do you get hired out without your gear? Oh, do I get hired? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That happens quite a bit. And I mean, this is also a relationship, relational thing too, is sometimes I'll show up, so I won't get paid for the van, I'll get paid for myself. And I'll show up with it just to try to figure out what's a value add, if they have budget on something cool. However, you've already gotten onto the shoot, you're already gonna get paid a certain amount. Now you don't want them taking advantage of you at all. However, if you add more value to a shoot, hopefully it's gonna pay off later for somebody to be like, oh man, that guy really, he didn't, he brought all this stuff that we really was helpful. He didn't charge us for it. So maybe next time when we're in town, we need to do something. Oh yeah, let's let's get his whole rig and, and do the do this guy right. Yeah, that's good. And you really stick in people's minds when you do have gear, like you're saying before. But there's we're like in the Greenville area, South Carolina. There's really only like three people that you can really call that have the full kit to be able to bring on set and not have to pool from several different sources yeah or be able to you know light your whole scene unless you're like an independent ad agency that has your own gear or something like that but they don't rent it out yeah which is actually a fairly common thing at least for our area is that most people are just gonna own it themselves so 
I would say 80% of the people I get to work with are coming out of town who literally can't drive with all the equipment themselves. Um, so it's like, it's an interesting spot for myself. So I don't get to work with local people as much as people just coming into town when it comes to the full, like paying for the whole thing. Um, I work much more locally as an individual without the gear. How would you feel about someone else putting the investment in and available in the area as well At, um on what scale yeah of the like they're going with two hundred thousand dollars or the guy who's got five thousand to put in yeah okay yeah well did you mind answering how much you've put into so far i have about 40k inside of the van right now so and that's over that's over about five six years that's nuts so and i mean and this is something that's a little depends on who you are. My philosophy has been I don't want to do anything um, off of debt. Um, so it, it's progressive. And initially when I had the van, like it didn't look very cool because I didn't have it filled. Um, um, it doesn't look you as good. By the house, you got to fill it with furniture. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But I mean, it like sometimes you kind of get the weird stares or whatever when it's like, oh, okay, are you actually legit? Because like I only see half the stuff in this van. Now it's packed out and looks awesome. Yeah. But I kind of purposely said I would rather not go into debt doing that. I'll just slowly. And I, a lot of it, too, is buying cheaper versions until I have the money to sell that and get something better. So Jeffrey has also done a walkthrough of his van with us. And if you go to our YouTube page, Indie Film Hub, you'll see that attached to this video. You can go see everything he's got in his van, the walkthrough, how he's got laid out and stuff like that, and why he has certain pieces. Um, good little video there. So if you want to see that, go to the YouTube page, check it out. Um, maybe I should do it as a separate video so it's not, people can just find it separately. But it will also be in the show notes on our website. Um, have you seen any like diminishing returns for your stuff? Like the, at some point, there's just no reason to get more gear um, <clears throat> or certain pieces of gear. I would say when you're not specializing in an area. So at this point, it doesn't make sense for me to spend more money on audio. So I've got the basic kit of audio that gets me as far as I need. Now, if I wanted to become an audio person, I would 100% have to get better things than what I currently have. But since that's not where I want to spend time and energy, and even like, let's just say, um, I, I would preferably be doing DP work, but I haven't been spending much money on cameras and stuff. Um, but it's mostly because I feel that the lighting is adding so much value to the camera stuff that I'm just trying to wait that out a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, I would say it's mostly, once you have a certain basic kit together, um, and you start knowing what you're going to specialize in, then spending extra money is kind of in the world of like, is this actually going to return that much value for you or not? And you kind of, I mean, you kind of just find stuff out the hard way too. If you buy something for a thousand bucks and two years later, you're like, holy cow, I used it once. I have definitely it's bought this so up. I just did not use it. I think I made a video on it too. Oh. <laughs> Go to our YouTube page. And find Can it. you think <laughs> of any, any of the pieces that were like the biggest expense that you're like, wow, I never, um, never touched it again. Well, like I had Christmas gifts for like the phone gimbal that I've used like five <laughs> times. The oh man, GoPro. I have a love hate with gimbals. Yeah, the GoPro 360. Um, I got that. It's super cool, but it's just like, it's such a, Niche. Specific, yeah. Some very niche. Um, and I would have used it more, but like the regular 1080 straight view instead of the 360 oh, view yeah. is not that great. <laughs> so you just find things out. I wonder if the, the uh, 
Theta three sixty or whatever the other one is. Yeah, be nicer. But the um, what's the biggest thing that I bought that I didn't use? So probably some lights. I I got I I got through a little bit, um, because I purchased stuff for the guy I was white white labeling through. And uh. I was like, crap, that's the wrong thing. So for myself, I bought the right thing. That's so funny. so one of them was like a big um, diffusion thing, and I was like, you know, it's supposed to have the largest, softest source you can have. That's mm you know, key for lighting, but I bought this thing that doesn't collapse. So oh, I was just shoving this huge thing in the back of my trunk to bring to interviews and it just yeah. was not oh, not good. So yeah, I bought the next one I bought was smaller and collapsible. Yeah. And much better for everything <laughs> anyways. But oh, it was nice light. This is or diffusion. The little octobox. Yeah. Yeah. yeah stuff like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's the trouble with some gear is that it, it can be really good, but because of its impracticality, it just never gets used yeah. very often. Like I'd say, it said these are cheaper ones, but I have lanterns, which like they're really good and in the right situation, they're awesome. Um, and the most expensive one I have is like 400 bucks. And that one's gotten pulled out twice because it's so hard to find the scenario. Yeah. Now, it's so interesting though, because like when you finally find that one spot, you're like, oh, I'm so happy I have this piece of kit. But that's, that's one of those hard ones that justifiably now I'm just like, that particular piece has not paid itself off. Yeah. <laughs> the um is there like a minimum value? Like don't buy obviously don't buy the cheapest thing you can find sometimes because it just doesn't look well, some of the cheap stuff has actually done really well, but yeah. There are some things you would say just don't just avoid. Yeah. Um tripod. Yeah. Don't get the cheapest tripod. Yeah. Yeah. Little wiggly wobbly thing. <laughs> yeah. That one that one that one's pretty annoying is when you there, there's a pretty minimum, like minimum viable option, and when you go below that, I, I would say you have to spend at least a hundred bucks. Like the small rig tripod and stuff, those are like a hundred and fifty bucks, and they're not bad. But show up with like a thirty, forty dollar one, and you breathe on it. And... Yeah. That one's sad. I um, worked at the camera store for a bit. People would come in, and like they're obviously trying to get the best deal they can get, but they're not trained professionals and so like you're you're you can buy cheap gear but you have to know how to use it really well or to have the stuff like people they have commercials using your phone or whatnot but they have really good lighting and really good production and storytelling yeah. so there's a lot more than just the camera that goes into it and i'm like if you're just going to use auto the better auto is on the more expensive camera <laughs> you know if like yeah. if you don't want to do anything buy yeah. the more expensive one so yeah i just it was kind of a catch 22 there well that's like the the black magic cameras because they don't have autofocus they're cheaper um but yeah you're gonna work harder now because you have to like a yeah. battery option for the camera you're gonna have to manually focus it so it's now more complex for cheaper um which is in some ways actually a good thing because now you learn everything however if you need the if you're working on a documentary black magics are not particularly great they work but they're not great because there's a bunch of features on them that they pulled out in order to make them cheaper which is great I mean, another thing that I'll add is that sometimes buying the cheap stuff doesn't mean that it won't work. It just means that you're going to have to be much more careful. So um, like some of the gear that I have in the van, like I won't really hand it off to somebody else because I'm like, I bought the cheaper version of it and I have to take care of it in order to keep it going for a while. Normally, once you sp start spending bigger and bigger dollars, those things become more and more bulletproof like. Um, let's just take the, the, for a camera example, um, the Canon cinema series, C100, 200, 300, 400, 500, 
those ones are great because they're super tough, super durable. You spend a lot more money on it. However, I've seen those things take tumbles and fall off and get hit and get water spilled on them and they keep going. That's because you spent six to $10,000 on the camera. So it's going to have a higher dur durability. But And you probably won't have to replace it as soon because it's going to, they don't have turnovers on the higher end gear yeah. as often. Yeah, there's a, like, <clears throat> like an iPhone. There's a, every year <laughs> uh, a documentary series um, about a drug cartel, but I remember watching the interview where they're using a Sony. Uh, it's previous from the FX series, but FX like, yeah, yeah, one of the older cameras at this point, like yeah. eight to ten years old, but they're using it now, and the footage looks beautiful. And there's the interview with the guy who was who was doing the documentary. He's just like, I've used it for, I know how it works. I know I can make a good image. Why do I why do I need the newer one yeah. until there's something I need? He said, I'll get it when I need it. I didn't need it for this shoot. So I'll just use the one that's that yeah. works for me. Uh, the guy I was white living through, he has two C100 Mark IIs, oh, yeah. super old cameras, but they still, but, their image is really good. Oh, I, it's one of my favorite body designs yeah. of a camera ever. Um, it doesn't, you know, have the best focus because it's only like that small little center focus area. There's lots yeah. of little drawbacks. So I did have to work hard, but it still has yeah really good image, especially for what eight megapixels or whatever yeah, it is. It's amazing. Yeah, I love that. Camera. Um, but when I got my full kit, I guess for interviewing, which is, I spent about fifteen thousand, but I didn't probably didn't need all of that. But anyways, let's say ten thousand dollars for my full kit. Everything was good. Um, I stopped like being interested in gear for a while i mean yeah. there's there's still some step ups you know i want to get nicer lenses and stuff like that but it was just like i, I have everything that i need i mean do you have you felt that have you felt like <laughs> you're good no, no. my my <laughs> wish list on bnh photo is probably seventy thousand dollars worth of stuff on a... <laughs> well because i just see like oh there's that because i know i literally just talked about how including a box truck <laughs> Yeah, so there's you never you never will get to the point where there's not stuff that you want. Yeah. At least for me, I wish I was content in that way. But I'm always looking at like little things of like, ooh, only I had that. Um, especially for me at the current moment. So I, I work with a uh, Blackmagic Ursa G2, which is working really good. Like I'm in that spot. It works really good for me. It's just in that spot of like this isn't new and exciting anymore. I have dirt in places I can't get out in it anymore. It's just not shiny. And there's a, there's a little bit of a feeling of like, oh, I want something else. feels a little bit like rejecting your old date or something like that for something new. But it works really good. I'm going to try to stick with it for as long as I can. Yeah. Um, but here again, here's an interesting one with gear, though, is that I'm pretty positive I've lost gigs because I'm using a Blackmagic camera that's a little bit older, and I think there's opti there's optics to what you use. Um, the bigger cameras will sometimes legitimately get you on a shoot because it looks more perfect. Which is why people buy so much rigging and stuff for their, yeah. their and I mean, shoulder rig or some, shadow And box. I've been told before that I've been hired on to shoots to set up bigger rigs only to make sure the client knows, because I get this side. And so only showing up in order to show the client that this is where their money's going. But I understand it from the perspective of if you don't do video and you spend $50,000 on one day and some dude shows up with three people, a camera on a tripod and a very minimal gear, you'd just be like, where did all of my money go? So sometimes this is so dumb. Sometimes I've gotten 
brought on literally to build stuff up and they'll use it, but they didn't. There was a simpler solution just to add this appearance to the client and also comfortability. When people show up with a lot of gear and they know how to set it up, it probably means that they know what they're doing. Um, so the bigger camera, the bigger lights, the more audio is all there for a reason. However, sometimes it is, it's an optics game. I have, um, after the T3i, I got the A6500 and Sony. I switched over Sony. And that's, you know, 4K does great stuff, mm -hmm. good autofocus. But the magentas, bro. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's true. Anybody fix... who's used that camera just knows that every shot you just would have to slide green, slide green, slide green. Make anyways. presets for everything you do oh, anyways. Uh, and then the second camera I got was the A7S III, much better. But even still, um, I would prefer to use that over the C100 Mark II's when I was white leveling through that company, but he wanted to impress the client. He wanted mm -hmm. the bigger gear yep. with the microphone attached and whatever, you know, bigger stands. And even though my gear was way better, um, but now when I do my own interviews and I pop on my little A6500 on a tripod, I'm like, oh man, I just need an <laughs> FX6 to replace that real quick. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, yeah, it can be, but it still is really good shots and they actually don't color match as well as you would think. But yeah. anyways, that's beside the point. So for someone just, just getting into it, like how much should they save up for to get started? I think... Because we're saying big numbers here, but yeah, that's yeah. years down the road. Yep. I think you could get away, and this is like scratching the bottom, maybe two to three grand. And that's like off of the top of my head, that's probably buying like a used Blackmagic camera the pocket 4Ks, one of those used, and probably just buy like a package that somebody's just trying to get rid of because um, lots of people will get rid of everything at once so then you can save yourself hundreds of dollars on stuff because they're going to take the $30 battery and the cage and the whatever and they're just going to essentially count those as losses inside of the package. So you could potentially get one of those for $1,200. Um, you buy yourself a $100 tripod and then you get yourself the wireless goes. And now you're really well set up and spend whatever extra money you have on some lighting gear. Um, I mean, so like one of the basic lights I really like to recommend people right now is the Amarand Cobb lights and they're bicolor, which is amazing. 150 watt little lights that have bicolor, Bowen's mount. And yeah, I, I would say that you'd get a very solid setup with a pocket 4K um, small rig um, tripod, a wireless uh lab setup and a couple of, like one of those lights yeah and then you're rocking you're rocking uh and that would pay for itself in a year yeah easy yeah and i would actually throw it out it, de it depends on who you are and who you know here again none of that stuff pays off if you don't know anybody who can actually pay you <laughs> for but stuff. even doing like 500 to a thousand dollar gigs with oh, small yeah. businesses mom pop shops mm -hmm. you could still i mean yeah, yeah and I, my thing I would throw out to somebody, though, mm -hmm. is especially on those smaller things, do the first couple for free because you don't need that stress of having to deliver something and then somebody being upset. Because, like, if in, as a personal thing, if I spent $500 for somebody to go do something at my house and it was okay or bad, I would be pretty upset. And so you have to think of it that same way when somebody's paying you. Like you view it as like, man, I spent four weeks on this. This five hundred dollars is going nowhere. However, someone else paid you five hundred bucks, and they're looking at it like, oh my gosh, I got crap. So 
if you the first couple that you do with that setup i would say maybe try to do it for free work out some of those kinks for yourself of like how to do things and communicating with people what is expectations versus how you actually get a final project and then do a couple of those and they might actually want to pay you to do something later so one of the last things i want to talk about is how to buy this gear mm -hmm. like what are some tips and tricks you've learned about one researching and knowing exactly what you're getting, but also where to go to get this stuff. And you mentioned one of them, buying used stuff, but like where would you get some of this used stuff? Yeah, so one of my first spots in the likelihood, and it depends on where you live and stuff, but the likelihood of it being there is very low, but Facebook Marketplace. Because um, a lot of times then, if it's local, you can go check it out if it's used, make sure that it's okay. Um, and even you can do the shipping options and stuff. And a lot of those services like eBay and Facebook Marketplace, they'll have a return policy as well if for some reason you get a really bad product. But um, yeah, 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 for the buyer, for the seller, it can be a bit annoying. But um, you can start there. And then even websites like B&H and Adorama, they have used sections as well. So you can go in and it's not going to be a great discount. It might be like, five ten percent off but they have used sections as well so you can go in and look up your item and look up the used section see if it's in there otherwise you can then go in and try to buy it i do buy a quite a bit of stuff off of amazon as well because um, sometimes they are a little bit more competitive than bnh i just like bnh because their customer service is really good i will say with lenses you might find a cheaper price on amazon but it won't have the warranty because it'll be an international version yeah so just be careful with that but yeah. Uh, yeah there is often really good deals on there and a lot of starter kit or even professional stuff on there oh totally. um keh is a used place used camera um there's lots of rental places that sell some of their older gear as well um if you've got a local camera store they've got usually a used section uh and they may even be willing to work with you just because they are passionate about it. they want you to have gear yeah because they know that probably will draw them back to oh, buy more later. So what about like uh, researching? So let's say lights. Oh, yeah. Research. There's, there's so much to know. And you could. I remember buying a light on off Amazon. That was just like a little shoe mount light on top of my camera. But it was totally off color. Like oh. pure magenta almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's actually a couple of resources on YouTube that I pretty much I will watch them religiously whenever they have have a video come out one's called gaffer salon he's a gaffer out of um new york and then another one is andrew Locke. he's a gaffer in uh, sydney australia but both of those guys they'll review tons of gears and they'll get way more into the specifics about everything and um but it's really helpful because here again i i pretty much will never get my hands on a piece of gear before i buy it now i can return it if i don't like it however Man, to throw out $2,000 and be like, oh, man, how now that money is going to be held up for three weeks because it's in its return process and whatnot. And just the trouble of unpacking and repacking and all of that. But those guys do a lot of reviews and they'll be pretty honest about stuff. So, I mean, YouTube reviews is just amazing. People will kind of suss that stuff out. Um, Local community groups on Facebook, asking them. I think yep. they'd get some good feedback. Um, some people may be biased. Yeah, I was actually going to throw out, I find that Facebook is not the best place because you get a lot of like, um, oh, what's it called? Um, uh, fanboys that will just defend their products no matter how poorly it works. But if you didn't want that, 
I mean, B and H has really good customer service. Mm -hmm. um, Sweetwater has really good customer service. Yeah, for uh, Sweetwater, Sweetwater for audio. Don't ask them about any of their videos. So. <laughs> but audio wise, they know yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. Um, or even just go into local store and just ask questions. Like yeah. Guitar Center or something. They won't have everything, but they're you know, get you an something. XLR cable. Yeah. And then just doing the research. If you if you read the description, I always look at the specs. And there's if there's a description there. There's something I don't know, like what is Lux versus Lumens or something like that. I'm going to look that up, make sure I know that it's measured at one meter versus the one that's saying it's measured at three meters. Yeah. It's like that's a big difference. So um, just little subtleties you have to be, be able to pick up on and stuff like that. Oh, for sure. Um, just because obviously we both had bought stuff that we didn't use or yeah. was garbage. Yeah, yeah, I'd say now it's it's actually a lot easier to find reviews and stuff on products beforehand to get yeah. to get all that information out beforehand because yeah, I definitely and this was more buying smaller things, but I've probably bought like maybe a good couple hundred bucks worth of little lights that you just kind of get out, you were use it the first time and like, yeah, this is kind of cool and then you actually you don't I I have pieces where I've never objectively thought like, "Oh, that's horrible." However, 5 years later, I'm like, I never touched that since I got, like, I have this little one light that was RGB that I was like, this is so cool. Yeah. I never, I, I literally haven't yeah. used it a single time. And I think I just gave it away because it, it was, it was 70 bucks. So it was a little bit, it was a little bit of like, oh, okay, it was, that was poor choice. But uh, we started off saying like the best camera is the one you have. How do you feel about phones? Phones? Yeah. Audio wise. Camera wise, lighting wise, do all I that have stuff. to comment on? No, <laughs> I know that that's it's a massive direction. I, I, I think it's hard. It's just the old manism of like, well, if it's not film, it's not good. Um, <laughs> like a little bit of Tarantino in there, but oh man, phones. I don't think I have the biggest opinion besides not really wanting to use them myself. But I I have I have helped people get. Have you here. used them? No, not really. You haven't cut any shots in. No, I've never. I I have personally never used iPhone footage. I tried to teach my clients a little bit of video, so that they can do some self generated content because I can't yeah. be there for everything. Oh yeah, and you know it's good enough to cut in on a few things. Um, these days, sometimes you get the really garbage one. That you're like, why to. Because it got texted like twenty times, and oh, then it's God. so diminished. And yeah, <laughs> it's just destroyed. Yeah, but I mean, the cool thing is they have audio mics now for thirty dollars that hook up onto a phone that can be a little bit lapel. I think that's my biggest thing. If, if somebody is gonna do stuff with their phone, is then a hundred percent make sure you have audio. Yeah. Don't record it off of the phone. Hundred percent get some way of getting the audio off of the phone. Um, we well, I mean, yeah. you can say that for for cameras too because yeah. their little tiny little pinhole microphone is not and, <laughs> no, and their amplifiers are usually not made for audio they've gotten better yeah. especially with, with the emphasis on video these days but yeah back on the t3i days <laughs> <No>. <laughs> funny funny story about those ones is i remember they had an auto gain feature that you couldn't control the gain in camera so what i did is i soldered together a wire and had a little mp3 player that would generate white noise into one channel so then the other channel would stay consistent. Oh, yeah. Such yeah, a yeah. stupid workaround. So <laughs> stupid. It was so I many wires, so many wires just to make the audio stay consistent and still terrible. 
<laughs> what about, I mean, you mentioned a little bit of DIY gear. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I bought like a $4 black backpack, found an old foam sleeping pad, stacked it, glued it, cut it out to try to make my own little case camera case. Oh, nice. <clears throat> I used it twice because it was just so, so pathetic. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, you know, I did it. Um, yeah. I remember some other DIY projects I tried to do, but um, generally I didn't like the stuff I was making. So, yeah. But it can be good. Yeah. I'd say really the only area for me that DIY stuff has worked pretty well is um, in lighting wise. Because um, actually a lot of lighting gear is taken from other industries. So even the name gaffer comes from sailing, which a gaffer was the guy who maintained the sails, maintained the material. So a gaffer is somebody who uses materials um, normally. So there's the, the gaffer and grips and grips are the ones who use it and blah, blah, blah. But anyways, all that said is that they're using materials from other industries and turn them into what they need for film work. Um But like one of the things, and I mean, I use it all the time is a bounce board, which is essentially a piece of foam that I got from Home Depot for seven bucks. Um, But I just kind of cut it to the four by four frame that I want and then taped all the edges. And it's a DIY thing, but holy cow, that is one of the most useful things I have. I mean, it gets used more than lots of other things. Um, another thing that I did, um, initially was I got PVC pipe, made a frame and then got, I don't think it was shower curtain, but on Amazon for like 10 bucks, you can buy diffusion material that you can cut out and made it fit the frame. It was just pieces of PVC tube that had, um, a diffusion piece on it, but there you go. A four by four frame for, I don't know, 30 bucks versus 120. (laughs) Cool. I love it. Um, so, yeah, thank you for sharing all your wisdom and tips and everything like that. Golden nuggets. Uh, if you find a golden nugget, trade it for gear. That's kind of how we <laughs> we work just to buy gear. Forget food. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, so that's episode four. Thank you guys for tuning in. Again, go watch the other videos on the YouTube page. And if you have any comments, you can email at hello.indiefilmhub at gmail.com. And you can check out the show notes and links to Jeffrey's social medias and stuff like that, if you're okay with that. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> on uh, Indie Film Hub. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, actually, do you want to share your, your uh, share it on your, your social medias? Oh, yeah, yeah, um, Really, the only one that I use very much is the Instagram, which is at uh, J. Edward Griffith. So that's probably the best one to find me at. And you've got two websites, one for the gear. Oh, yeah, yeah. And one for... DP. Yeah, so I have my DP website, which is www.jedwardgriffith.me, and that's for my DP work. And then for grip rentals, it is www.griff-grip.com. Cool. Thank you. See you guys.